This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. We are passionately pumping. Begins look forward, work together to create a Portsmouth football club that we can all be proud to be associated with. Pure, unadulterated pumping. It's a massive club, it's a massive opportunity for me. I know this atmosphere is special. I can't wait to see a full house and it rocking. Action and reaction. This is Shoes Football Club. We're here to be hopefully successful. The infrastructure is changing, so really we want to start pushing forward and making Portsmouth a real force. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's a club with a rich tradition, a rich heritage, but one that has an excellent relationship with its supporters. This is the Football Hour. The one team that stands out that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth. A chance for Pompey to make it four wins from four on Saturday, but Fleetwood were refusing to follow the script at Fratton Park. Hackett trying to do some defending, and it's 3-0, because the shot has gone straight through Gavin Bazunu, and Portsmouth are going to need a miracle to find a way back into this game. But a miracle they got. Aidan O'Brien on target in the 95th minute to snatch a point off the Cod Army. Hurst might have another chance. O'Brien, he's done it! Pompey a level! Aidan O'Brien in the 95th minute! It is Fleetwood 3, Portsmouth 3. Despite such a disappointing first half display, head coach Danny Cowley is adamant that his side are finally starting to look more like a team. I can feel that the group is coming together. Human connections always take time, but I do feel the group coming together and we now have two really important home games, Tuesday against Oxford and Saturday against Atkinson. The Pompey women were also in action at the weekend. This evening we'll hear the thoughts of Jay Sadler after their 0-0 draw with Gillingham. Neither team did enough to come away the three points. I think there was moments where we had spells on top and I think we probably had more of the spells, but we just couldn't capitalise on it. A very good evening. Welcome to Monday night. Welcome to the Football Hour here on Express FM. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening. Welcome to the latest instalment of the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM. Driven to you this season by Stagecoach across the South. You can download their app now from either the Apple app or Google Play Store. You can locate your nearest bus stop and you can find out the latest timetables and updated fare prices as well. Coming up between now and 7 o'clock, I've got two more Pompey fans right alongside me to review all of the action from the Blues last game. And what an exciting match it was at Fratton Park. Fleetwood Town uh, were in Portsmouth for the latest instalment of match day in League One and Pompey had a chance to make it three, make it four wins in a row rather, uh, three wins in a row after their victories over Burton, Doncaster and Shrewsbury Town. They had a chance to make it four wins from four but Fleetwood had other ideas. We'll hear the highlights of that game in just a moment's time but before we do let's remind you of how you can get in touch with the show this evening. 81400 is the number to text. You can start your messages with the word express and put your name at the end of those as well. You can email into Pompey at expressfm.com. Tweet us using at expressfm or you can visit facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. And as you've just heard in the intro there, we'll hear from Pompey women's boss Jay Sadler in what is set to be a very, very busy show. You won't want to miss a second of it between now and seven o'clock. Okay, let's go straight into it then and remind ourselves of exactly how it went down at PO4 on Saturday afternoon. Strap in because it was one hell of a ride at Fratton Park. Everything we do is passionately pumping. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shooting scores! 90 minutes of passionately pumpy commentary. He scored! This is. You want to believe it! Pompey Live. Players from both sides take the knee and we are ready to get this one underway. Curtis coming in, loose ball in the box. And Fleetwood scrambled away. Curtis did really well to put it back into a dangerous area. Wood, who had it on halfway on the right-hand side, sliding in to that challenge with Johnston. And now here's Harrison on that right-hand side. And Curtis slips and Harrison gets to the byline. Chance to pull it back to the near post. And Fleetwood take the lead. Ellis Harrison has made the goal for Anthony Pilkington in front of the Fratton end. And Ciala goes long down the... Pompey left, Hume wins the header, Pilkington the goal scorer picks it up, Curtis trying to win the ball back but it's a reverse pass which Paddy Lane now drives towards the Pompey penalty area, back out to the right hand side to Johnson, Johnson with a cross in the middle, charge for Fleetwood 2-0, slammed in by Harrison Biggins, 
Jackson trying to break forward. Ronan Curtis getting back. Pompey have got numbers there defensively. Fleetwood are just outside the penalty area. Chance to try and get the ball into the boxes. Hackett trying to do some defending. And it's 3-0 because the shot has gone straight through Gavin Bazunu. And Portsmouth are going to need a miracle to find a way back into this game. And Hackett looking in field to Curtis. Back to Harness. Challenge came in there from Clark. Flew in. Curtis to the left-hand side. And Hume to Curtis. Back to Morell. Trying to drive forward. Morell into the penalty area. Morell across the face of goal. Ball's hit a hand. And the referee said penalty. Penalty kick to Portsmouth. It's a cheap one. But they won't complain as it's a way back into this match. How Portsmouth need this to go in the back of the net if they're going to have any chance of getting something. Right, whistle goes. Ronan Curtis stepping up in front of the Milton end with his right foot. And he scores down the middle, high into the net. And Harness and Curtis go quickly to get the ball. And Portsmouth have found a way back into this. And Morell is going to play it out to the right-hand side to Carter. Carter driving down the touchline. Good run this from Carter. Lays it in field from Harness. Back to Carter. Lovely from Carter. Can he find the ball back across? Chance for Hackett. Oh, he's put it miles wide. Absolutely miles wide. Vizunu goes short to Morell. To the left-hand side. To Hume. Over halfway. To Harness. To Curtis. Looking down that left touchline. Harness trying to drive in towards the penalty area. Harness with a lovely ball. that's put in the back of the net, but the flag's up and it won't count. Walker thought he scored his first Pompey goal. The long arm of the linesman says no. It's... Right, Curtis is really gesticulating wildly about where he wants the options in for this corner. In it comes towards the near post and it's gone into the back of the net. Robertson, is he claiming it or has it gone straight in off the keeper? I think Curtis is claiming it. I think Cairns has just palmed it into his own net and Porter have given themselves 10 minutes to find another goal and get something from this game with Fleetwood. Hurst could be away at the other end. Hurst to break into the area. He's got Walker square. Hurst, can he find him? Still Hurst. Hurst, he's wide. He's dragged it wide. Curtis forward to Walker. Hurst might have another chance. O'Brien, he's done it. Pompey a level. Aidan O'Brien in the 95th minute. It is Fleetwood 3, Portsmouth 3, O'Brien scores for the third consecutive game and Pompey have come from 3 down to level. Portsmouth 3, Fleetwood Town 3. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. The highlights there from Saturday afternoon as Pompey uh, were held to a 3-0 draw at home to Fleetwood Town despite being 3-0 down in the first half. An incredible comeback in the second to snatch a point off of the Cod Army. Let's take a look at the other results across the division from the weekend. Then AFC Wimbledon, they were a two-all draw with Doncaster Rovers. Accrington Stanley beat Wickham Wanderers by three goals to two. Burton Albion, they were defeated on home turf by Shrewsbury Town. Two goals to nil for the visitors. Cheltenham one, Crew Alexandra two. Lincoln City nil, Gillingham two, MK Dons two, Bolton Wanderers nil. Morecambe one, Ipswich Town one. Tomorrow's opponents, Oxford United, they defeated Cambridge United by four goals to two. Rotherham secured a 1-0 victory away at Plymouth Argyle. Sheffield Wednesday were 2-0 victors over Charlton Athletic at Hillsborough. And finally, in uh, you could call it a shock result, Sunderland defeating Wigan Athletic 3-0 away from home to secure their first league win in eight matches. Let's take a look at the Skybet League One table now. Then Rotherham remain top. They're unbeaten in Six, they're on 75 points and now nine points clear of third place Milton Keynes Dons and Rotherham have also got a game in hand. Wigan are second with three games in hand on third. They're also on 66 points. Oxford, Sunderland and Sheffield Wednesday make up the top six. Pompey remain 11th and now 10 points uh, adrift of the playoff places, but with one game in hand. And the bottom four is pretty much as you were on Saturday. Crew bottom, Doncaster, Gillingham and Morecambe. OK, let's welcome in my guests for this evening's discussion. Then joining us uh, over the powers of the internet this evening, all the way from back home, is uh, Ryan Honey. Ryan, it's been quite some time since we last heard from you, but it's, it's great, to, great to finally have you back on the show, my friend. 
thanks jake like you say it's been a while but um i'm glad to be back thank you very much for having me absence makes the heart grow fonder ryan and uh, alongside us in the studio this evening uh, also it's been quite a while josh sweetman josh thank you once again for coming in yeah again it's been a while as well but a pleasure as always jake and josh we were talking uh, b- before you come on the show this evening about how we were hoping for it to be a victory we would be discussing unfortunately not uh, just a point for, for pompey on saturday but it's one of those games where a point actually felt like three. It did, um, but I think if you look at the context of the result at the end, what our overall goal of the season is, which ultimately is playoffs, I think it's well out of our reach. But even the sort of joy of getting it back to three, or you still come away from the ground thinking that that's not enough, um, especially against a team that's fighting for relegation. And when you look at who we've got to play tomorrow night, who are, who are in fine form, and I don't think we stand a chance against, you have to be picking up victories against the likes of Fleetwood, Accrington, Stanley. So whilst it was fantastic to come from 3-0 down, it's, it wasn't enough. No. Marcus Deacons on Facebook, well, what can you say about that? Looking dead and buried at 3-0, and in the end we had a legitimate complaint to have only come away with a single point. A couple of decent penalty shouts and an offside that I want to see a replay of before I make a further comment on, plus plenty of other chances to have won it. Don't get me wrong, I would have taken a draw at 3-0 all day long, but after that battling performance, it feels like two points dropped this afternoon if only we could have started playing in the first minute instead of the 40th Marcus thank you for your comment there and and Ryan you know really hard to disagree with what Marcus is trying to put across there a great effort from from Pompey to get back into the game despite being 3-0 down in the first half it felt like a victory in the end but do you see that as two points dropped I think you have to Jake I mean it's it's against the side that are winless in six coming into the game and then you go 3-0 down inside 41 minutes they're they're tipped to go down that they're in the relegation battle this season and you know we're we're going for playoffs it's one of those where you go into it full of confidence winning three on the bounce and you think you know we can we can start to build momentum heading into the final stages of the season but the way the way it turned out in that first half i mean there were glimpses of you know that ipswich um game at home a few months ago we just fell apart, capitulated, and um, we needed that penalty before half time because the second half could have turned nasty um, because that goal just never looked like it was coming. Uh, but luckily, we got the penalty, and the second half it, it sparked a fight back. And second half, there's plenty of positives. We created chance after chance, and realistically, um, we could have won the game with the amount of chances we had, but it wasn't to be, and we just have to move on with the point. Yeah, and. Uh... <sighs> Despite Pompey's lacklustre performance in that first half, Josh, does some credit have to go to the way that Fleetwood themselves set up? I know Ryan mentioned there going into the game, they were six without a victory. But as much as it was to Pompey's downfall and their own real doing in the first half on Saturday, I think you've also got to give it a little bit of respect to the way that Fleetwood set up because they were, they were dominant and, and they looked pretty good. I think you do, but I think for me, if I was a Fleetwood fan, the biggest concern would be the management in terms of first half, they did exactly what they wanted to achieve. They silenced the crowd. They they looked like they would score every time they came forward. And We can dissect Pobby's performance personally. Everything came down the left-hand side. We changed to a formation which we changed from a formation that had been a winning formation for three games in a row. And we, When you have someone like Denver Hume, who is a natural wing-back and not a left-back, and he didn't have any cover from tra- people tracking back. But uh, Fleetwood, fantastic first half. But I, for the life of me, can't understand, if I was a Fleetwood fan, why their management decided to be so negative in the second half. Didn't want to cross the halfway line. No. And as Ryan said, we created plenty of chances. But I'd say that the majority of that was because they sat back and let us come. So, yeah, credit to them. But... Uh, they lost that sort of credit in the second half. Yeah, and look, Ryan, I'm not, I'm not arguing or complaining with the way Fleetwood did come out in that second half. But like you know, Josh is alluding to there, you can't help but feel that if they had come out in that second half with the same sort of attitude they started uh, the, the match on Saturday, you kind of feel like Pompey would have been four, maybe even five goals down. Potentially, uh, I think the uh, the penalty on the stroke of half time that that dealt a real blow in their momentum, and it, and it probably put that little bit of a doubt in their minds, it planted that seed. And, you know, with the fans at home, it, you know, it, it, it planted that seed and it gave Pompey the momentum heading into the second half because 3-0 down at half-time to Fleetwood is completely unacceptable. But 3-1, you know, getting that last goal in the first half, it, it does give you that, that momentum to go into the second half and try and get something out of the game. We thought we'd got that early goal. Um, 
but it didn't quite come. It was offside. And then, and then luckily for us, we did get that goal. Um, but, but no, I, I think Josh is right in the sense that they didn't help themselves sitting back, but I can understand why. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then uh, let's hear the thoughts now of Danny Cowley. He spoke to Max Swatton on the touchline after the final whistle on Saturday and was first asked if, despite such a great finish to the game, Saturday's match was two points dropped rather than a point gained. Yeah, definitely. It's two points dropped for us. Listen, I think, you know, we had a, had a really poor way into the game, particularly against the ball. A 1v1 duels when they were near good enough. First contacts, second balls, really short of it physically. They score with the first three attacks. Hard to take. You give yourself a mountain to climb and we get a goal back just before half-time. We actually played really well second half. Probably could have got five, six, seven goals. And when you consider, you know, we just had a look at it back then. The ball was only in play second half, 19 minutes. So in a 45-minute half with eight minutes injury time, the ball's only in play for 19 minutes. So for us to create as much as we did and play with as much energy and purpose as we did, I think credit to the players because they were and they put themselves under a, a lot of pressure with the way that we started the game. But um, it was a good togetherness and a good spirit and enough fight in the second half. But we have to start games like that. You said it there. It's a much better second half. How do you take that into Tuesday? Well, absolutely. We only take one point, which is not what we wanted today. You know, we've taken 10 out of the last 12, but we, we really wanted three points today. Um, we only take one, but I think we should take some confidence in the fight that we showed, the togetherness that the players showed, the way that they, they run for each other. And, yeah, I think I can feel that the group is coming together. Human connections always take time, but I do feel the group coming together. And we now have two really important home games, Tuesday against Oxford and Saturday against Atkinson. You made four changes to the starting eleven. What was he thinking there? Just with a small squad, just to, to freshen it up. Louis was feeling it off the back of playing 90 minutes on Tuesday. We had a decision on Tuesday, really, whether to keep Louis on or not. Thankfully, we decided to, to do that because he scored. But it was always going to come around pretty quickly for him, um, which was a shame because I thought we really missed him. The good thing is he'll be fresh for, for Tuesday now. And yeah, at the top end of the pitch, when the games are coming as quick as they are, and we're in a really busy cycle of fixtures, and we, we need everybody to contribute. And, and ultimately, I have belief and trust in them all to be able to contribute. And Fratton Park is quite the stadium to score a 95th minute equaliser. And what were your emotions when Aidan O'Brien's goal went in? Get the ball back and try to get the fourth. Don't know what, you know. I get we've worked hard to get back into it, but just get the ball back on the centre spot and try to go and score the fourth goal because. Um, I said to him at half-time, if you find two, you'll find three. And if you find three, then the fourth won't be too far away. And, you know, I mean, Fleetwood, they did everything they could to, to slow the game down and break the game up. And so we've allowed them to do that with the fact that we've conceded soft goals. But, yeah, it was very, very difficult to get a rhythm in the second half. And credit to players, because I actually thought it was never easy to come out here and analyse it so quickly after the game, particularly in such an emotional, topsy-turvy game. But I actually thought there was a lot to like in the second half in terms of minerals, substance, in terms of the way that we played, the amount of chances we created, and also actually the emotional control that we showed in what was a really frustrating afternoon. Danny Cowley there with his views after the game at the weekend. And if you want your thoughts there tonight, well, you can do just that. And it's really easy to do so as well. Send your name and message to 81400. Start those with the word express. Otherwise, you can email into Pompey at expressfm.com. You can find us on Twitter at expressfm. Or you can find us over at Facebook instead, facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. We'll have more thoughts from both Ryan and Josh after the break. And we'll also hear the post-match reaction of Pompey women head coach Jay Sadler, who, despite no league wins since December the 19th, he found some positives from yesterday's goalless draw with Gillingham. We've got to take positives from that clean sheet. Something we spoke about, something we want to eradicate was the silly goals that we've been giving away. Nothing necessarily structural, it's just more individual mistakes. But players are taking accountability, they understand it, they know that this season has not gone as well as it should have. On paper, we've got a phenomenal squad, a phenomenal group of players, but it's going to take time for them all to embed with each other. Join us again in just a few moments' time for part two of tonight's edition of the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour 93.7. Express FM. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM, the only radio station proud to be from the great waterfront city of Portsmouth. This evening I'm joined alongside both Ryan Honey and Josh Sweetman to review Pompey's thrill draw with Fleetwood Town at the weekend. Later on we'll also start to preview tomorrow's visit of Oxford United to Fratton Park, the rearranged game from Boxing Day, that one is. We'll come on to talk about that one later. But let's uh, let's go through Saturday's match in a little bit uh, of, of a chronological 
order then, Josh. And we'll start off, of course, with the opener from Fleetwood Town. It came just seven minutes uh, into the game and uh, and it really came from that right-hand side. Uh, Danny, Han- Danny Andrew with a great ball over to uh, Ellis Harrison, uh, believe it or not, on the right-hand side. Former Pompey player moved to Fleetwood last month. He drove into the box and he, te- he teed up Anthony Pilton- Pilkington on a plate and he was there to rifle it in from close range. A great move, but particularly throughout that first half on that right-hand side. So Denver Hume's defending left. They were completely dominant. They, yeah, they were. And that first goal, as you said, credit goes to Ellis Harrison, but he travels 20 or 30 yards unopposed. And although he rides one tackle, he's, he's just in so much space. And the, the ball across goal is very good. I, I think defensively, you can't really deal with that. Like that's, it is what it is. It's cut back to a bloke and he puts the ball in the net. But you have to stop Harrison from the start of his run. I wouldn't even say he bulldozed his way through to the to the byline, but it was just so easy. And it was a it was a reoccurring theme in that first half. Curtis wasn't tracking back, and Hume ended up ended up with Hume um, sort of two on one a lot of the time. And it wouldn't wasn't always Curtis, but they seemed to double up on that side, and that's where we we were, we were weaker because, uh, as I've alluded to before, Hume isn't a left back for me; he's a wing back. He can defend, but he's better going forward. So, yeah, the change of formation is the one that I couldn't understand. And I think we didn't settle early. And if you don't settle in a new formation quickly, you get punished. Yeah, and I think it's also quite easy to agree, uh, Ryan, that that change of formation, a very uh, different kind of approach to the game on Saturday as opposed to the matches at Shrewsbury and Doncaster prior to that match. It looked like a four at the back, possibly with two in midfield behind a, a midfield three of Harness, Hackett and Curtis with Walker up top isolated on his own. It was four changes from that Shrewsbury game with Rico Hackett, Joe Morrell, Marcus Harness and Tyler Walker coming in for Marlon Romeo, Louis Thompson, Aidan O'Brien and George Hurst. What were your four initially when that team lineup came out because I don't think there were too many Pompey fans uh, inside Fratton Park on Saturday who were entirely convinced from the start well no I was I was surprised um, I think a lot of a lot of people would agree um, with, with that with that emotion but I can understand why Danny Cowley alluded to having a small squad he's got to rotate and I was surprised that on Tuesday night that Thompson actually lasted the 90 minutes and he spoke about that in the interview and luckily for us he he, he did stay on and score but um, I, I think he, he's, he's one where you've got to treat carefully because he's very injury prone um, so his minutes have to be uh, counted properly and I, I think it was the right call although he is in very good form um, I, I think resting him ahead of a massive game against Oxford you know it, it shouldn't prevent him from from carrying on that form and, and um, helping us on Tuesday night. Yeah, and of course, look at the uh, the other changes on Saturday. Then Josh, of course, the big one. Uh... Louis Thompson coming out of the side after the 2-1 win at Shrewsbury. And we heard from Danny Cowley just before the break there about how really the thinking behind that one, and I think we've all known for quite a while, is that Louis Thompson is a player who is rather injury prone. He doesn't often last a full 90 minutes. Danny Cowley decided to keep him on for the entire 90 on Tuesday night, which ended up paying dividends with Louis Thompson scoring the winner quite late on at New Meadow. Fantastic player and he's certainly come into some form lately, but... Although he was left out on the team on Saturday and that may have raised a few eyebrows, I think you can probably agree with Danny Cowley's comments that he's not perhaps fit enough yet to continue that on a Tuesday, on a Saturday, on a Tuesday, on a Saturday. Yeah, look, I think in terms of outfield players, Louis Thompson's probably our best player. Um, We've seen over the last couple of weeks how good he is. And I think the thing is, is that if he didn't have his injury issues, if he could play 90 minutes three games a week, he it, there's no doubt he wouldn't be playing in this division. I think he's far too good for the, for League One. He's a he's a very very good Championship player, but because of his injury record, it, he, he's found himself a Pompey, and it's a massive benefit to us. But the the issue is, is that his replacement is Joe Morrell, who again has been very good, but he hasn't played for three games. He's yeah. been out, um, and <laughs> coincidentally in that time we won all three games. So. It, it did surprise me, but I guess if you look at the three games on paper, tomorrow is the biggest. So you, if you want Thompson to be fit for one of them, then it's going to be that. So it, it didn't surprise me as much. 
No. And Danny Cowley did re- reveal in that interview as well. But uh, Louis Thompson will be ready for the visit of Oxford tomorrow, which is uh, which is great news. But back to the events of Saturday's game, Ryan, on the 16th minute, Fleetwood doubled their lead. And unfortunately, it was Denver Hume caught out the left uh, again. Gavin Bazunu really let his feelings known after that goal went in. Really too much space allowed uh, on, on both wide areas. But this time, Harrison Biggins, uh, he finished off a very nice move inside the box, uh, assisted by Carl Johnston again. Again on that right-hand side, linked up well with Paddy Lane. Uh, a well-worked team move, but once again emphasising what Josh was saying earlier in the show, that just Pompey allowing way too much space for Fleetwood to come and attack. Yeah, unfortunately it was down Denver's side again. Um, a theme, um, not only in, in the second goal, but the first and third, which has been spoken about by Josh. But that, that is a problem. Um, he's alluded to him being better going forward than he is defensively. But as a left back, if you're gonna if you're gonna play there, you've got to be able to do both, in my opinion. And you know, we had someone who who was pretty solid. I wouldn't say he was as good as uh, Hume going forward, but um, Brown, who, who's now at Wimbledon, he he could do a job defensively. And I think if he's playing, you know, positionally, I don't I don't think he gets caught out on on three occasions. Um, for the second goal, it's a fantastic finish from Biggins, um, and and it, it's a very similar sort of play down that, that right-hand side. They just cut it back and he sticks it in the top corner. Bazunu, no chance. But it, it's a real problem because it gave us a mountain to climb inside 15 minutes. Yeah. And I've seen a few calls on social media, Josh, and I know sometimes you've got to take social media with a pinch of salt, especially Twitter. But I've seen a few calls uh, after that game on Saturday with Denver Hume being caught out on a number of occasions. It wasn't his greatest performances in a Pompey shirt, but I've seen a few calls of him. Apparently, he should be dropped for, for tomorrow's night, tomorrow night's game against Oxford United with Rico Hackett coming in his place. What are your thoughts uh, upon those calls? Is that harsh on Denver Hume, who's had a, a relatively solid start to life in Pompey, or is that justified? I think it's exactly like you said. You have to take Twitter a pinch of salt. You, essentially, people saying that are saying, oh, let's replace one wing-back who struggled defensively on Saturday with a winger or number 10 playing in his position who is weaker defensively um, and yeah may offer you a little bit more going forward but I think especially at Shrewsbury when he came on we saw Rico actually I think change the game in terms of um, his forward ability and he didn't have the work he, he, he was fairly decent on Saturday as well I think if you look at all goals again I wouldn't say that it's completely Denver Hume's fault I think no. a lot there is a lot of questions to be answered in terms of Perhaps Curtis, can he track back better? Can the midfield shuffle across and, and close down those those big angles that are left there? So I don't think... I, I, I don't agree with those calls. And I think second half, a lot of what we had going forward, Denver Hume got forward. He, he got forward with Curtis. And it's going to take him a time to, under, to get an understanding with Curtis. Obviously, Brown and Curtis had that and did it very well when Curtis was playing out left on the left. But Hume's a new signing and he's, it's going to take time for him to bed in. A big moment on the 23rd minute, Ryan Fleetwood had to make a sub. Anthony Pilkington, the scorer of the first goal, coming off injured, replaced by Daniel Butterworth up top. Do you think that was a moment at 2-0 at the time? Do you think that was a moment that changed the game a little bit for Fleetwood? Uh, with Anthony Pilkington, one of the main men up for uh, up top for them, obviously scorer of the first goal, as we mentioned there. Do you think that was a game-changing moment for them? Uh, it probably altered their game plan yes um but he's a vastly experienced player uh premier league experience with norwich and he, and he's been through the championship with cardiff and wigan um over the years as well so yes in, in a way you know it probably did alter their game plan but I, I thought butterworth when he did come on i thought he did a decent job mm. um for what it's worth um but no it, obviously it's just part and parcel of the game injury so They'll be hoping he's not up for too long. Yeah, A penalty awarded to Pompey right before the half-time mark. Josh, uh, Ronan Curtis was the one who converted from the spot straight down the middle. Uh, a real uh, arrowed effort straight down the middle. The keeper went the wrong way. <sighs> Controversial because I don't think any of us really agree that it should have been a penalty. The referee awarded it uh, due to a handball. looked quite harsh. The arm was right below his body. Couldn't really do much about it. But Pompey were handed the lifeline and, and the lifeline was really taken with both hands. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I would have been furious if I was a Fleetwood player and that's given. I don't I think probably about a hundred people in the ground actually asked for a penalty. I didn't didn't think there's anything a defender could do and I thought we'd be getting a corner. Um but you need those bits of luck when they come, especially when you're three nil down. It's what Ryan said earlier, like go in at half time at three nil, that game's done and I don't think we come we we don't come back. But that 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 penalty and it was a very well taken penalty. Um gives you that glimmer of hope but it was never a penalty in a million years and we had a couple in the second half I, I didn't think the one that Hurst died for was but there was one that was so much more of a penalty for handball than that yeah. was given so it was just inconsistent but again you need the rub of the green and you need that luck yeah, the 59th minute of that penalty was waved a wave, the one that Pompey were claiming for in the second half. Again, as Josh has mentioned there, probably more of a handball than the one in the first half was given. Maybe that evens itself out a little bit, I'm not too sure. Uh, Tyler Walker had the ball in the back of the net on the 66th minute, really unfortunate to be ruled out due to offside. It was a lovely ball, uh, a low ball fizzed in from the left by Marcus Harness, but that one was ultimately ruled out. Pompey made a couple of subs. Uh, Denver Hume off with Aidan O'Brien coming on to replace him. Rico Hackett moving to the left-hand side. Aidan O'Brien looked like he was in that number 10 role. Hayden Carter then came off for George Hurst. So Danny Cowley at this point really rolling the dice and going for it at 3-1 down. Ryan, 80th minute, 10 minutes of the game remaining with Pompey 3-1 down. Ronan Curtis takes a corner and from that point forward the rest is history did it go straight in was it scrambled in uh, off a Fleetwood player did Marcus Harness get the final touch what are your thoughts on that one also do you care not really not really Jake I think it came at a very important time obviously it gave us enough time to to get the equaliser but it's it's one of those well I was watching him uh, Ronan Curtis when he went over to the corner to take it he, he was pointing where he wanted players to go and that was around Alex Cairns in, in the Fleetwood goal. And and I'm not being funny, it, it was, the, the, the delivery was absolutely perfect. Mm. It, it was whipped in with pace, power, and um, all it needed was a touch just to force it over the line. And it's just it's just a goal like that. You know, it doesn't matter how they go in. Like, like Josh was saying, you need that rub of the green. And luckily for us, uh, we got it. And Pompey got their uh, their just desserts on the 95th minute. The equaliser coming from Aidan O'Brien slotted it home underneath Alex Cairns in the goal for Fleetwood. A touch from George Hurst after a, a nice little ball chip forward from the middle when Aidan O'Brien finished to make it three goals in four games for him since signing from Sunderland very, very late on and, and some quite incredible limbs at Fratton Park. Josh, uh, we'll, we'll come on to, in the next part of the show, how it probably could have been 4-3, and Pompey had their chances in the game to, to get a fourth, perhaps even a fifth, but as we mentioned earlier in the show, just to kind of cap off what we're doing now, chronologically going through the events of the game, a free will draw, 95th minute, you'll take it. When you take into consideration, half an hour into the game, we were 3-0 down. Yeah, 100%, and it's a very, very good finish from, and that's the sort of thing we haven't had this season. We haven't had a striker that finishes with a problem that tucks away those sort of chances. And I th- that's been a big issue as to why we are where we are because it's been a rotation of strikers fi- trying to find a winning formula. Um, it surprised me that O'Brien had been dropped because it doesn't matter what you contribute to the game. If you score, like, at the end of the day, you could touch the ball once in 90 minutes, mm. which I think Walker's done. But if you put the ball in the back of the net, that's what you're being paid to do. And it was a, it was a great finish. I was worried that he was offside after the ball hit Hurst. I think standing behind the goal, you can't quite tell, obviously. But um, thankfully it wasn't. And yeah, again, it was a really good finish. I think if you're a Fleetwood, Fleetwood's manager, a 3-2 up relegation team, it's criminal to have yeah. such a big gaping hole and two strikers just walk through your uh, defence. But yeah, it was... Um, I think I ended a couple of rows in front of me, which uh, was, was fun. Yeah, I do think if George Hurst had another touch, because I think he was trying to get it under control a bit more, I think perhaps Aidan O'Brien would have run a little bit more offside. It would have been another Brett Pittman, Viv Solomon Osborne moment. I, I think if uh, if George Hurst had taken another touch, then he would have been the one that had the shot. And I don't think the end result would have played out quite as well. So thankfully it did fall to O'Brien. And yet again, yeah, very, very good finish. The three of us will be coming on to talk about Pompey striking options, the impacts uh, made by George Hurst, Aidan O'Brien and indeed Tyler Walker in the next part of the show. We'll also be talking about our expected team lineups with Ronan Curtis suspended for the next two games for Pompey. Who comes in in his place? Do get in touch, Pompey fans. Keep getting them in to us all the usual ways. If you don't know them by now, can be found on our website, expressfm.com. But before we move on to 
any more of those. Let's hear the post-match thoughts of Pompey women's head coach Jay Sadler. The Pompey women were in action in the league yesterday afternoon. As we mentioned earlier, they're without a league victory since December the 19th. So really could have done with three points on Sunday afternoon. But unfortunately, they ended the game with a nil-nil draw with Gillingham. Jay Sadler caught up with Max Swatton after the final whistle. Nil-nil against Gillingham. Jay, how did you see that one? I think the result's a fair reflection of the game. Neither team did enough to come away the three points. Um, I think there was moments where we had spells on top um, and I think we probably had more of the spells, um, but we just couldn't capitalise on it um, early. They've started out quick. They've pressed us high um, and they've had a couple of moments, but, but nothing that scared us. And, and that first half, it was just about adapting strategies for us, um, gaining more connection within our units. We needed to step on midfield up higher um, and try and get some support um, with our with our attacking players. But I think in the second half, we we... we we grew into the game. We progressed. We got some really good wide combinations. We're able to attack the box. Um, but like I said, we didn't create enough to win the game. M's had a, a fantastic strike at the end, but you can't expect that to go in. Um, we need to create more. So it's a positive platform. We've conceded nine goals in the last three games. So it's something that we, we wanted to eradicate and get the clean sheet. But in doing so, we probably just didn't get that balance right in terms of how we, we attack the game. Yeah, how do we turn that one point into three in a tough match against Chichester on Wednesday? Yeah, and it's going to be a tough match. Um, they've lost the game today late um, in what looked like a bit of a relegation encounter against MK Dons. So we know they're going to come in fighting. Um, it's a big game for them. Every time they, they, they face us, we always feel the emotion. Um, we feel it um, and we, we need to use that at our advantage. I think we just need to get hold of the ball better. I think there was moments where we could have got our eights on and, and looked for the set and then play. And it was just sloppiness of passes, um, crisper combinations, a bit more proactiveness with our movement to then be able to play. Um, so I think we just need to sharpen a few things up. And then when we're in and around the box, it's just decision making. It's just the right kind of pulling the trigger. There was a moment with Sham where she's made done all the hard work for herself and can she hit it on her left foot and try to feed in Haley and. That effort got that that effort got saved by the keeper, and then in the second half we've had moments. I think the substitutes come on and gave us more energy, gave us more impetus to then try and take the game to them. And I think that, like I said, that last twenty minutes, I felt like if there was a team that was going to go on and win it, it would be us. Um, but again, I think nil nil is a fair reflection. I think Gillingham were disciplined in their shape, caused us a few problems, and we had to to find the right solutions for it. We did that, but just couldn't capitalise on on any territory we gained. How pleasing was a clean sheet? Because like you said, we conceded nine goals in our last three games, so it's an improvement. Yeah, and we, we've got to take positives from that clean sheet. Something we spoke about, something we wanted to eradicate was the, the silly goals that we've been giving away. Um, nothing necessarily structural, it's just more individual mistakes. Um, but players are taking accountability, they understand it, they know that this season has not gone as well as it, it, it should have. On paper, we've got a phenomenal squad, a phenomenal group of players, but... It's going to take time for them all to embed with each other, um, create these human connections. We brought in seven or eight players and we're expecting them to, to get an understanding of each other when we're only training twice a week and then we're, we're playing on the Sundays and trying to build these relationships and these understandings take time. So we've stripped it all back. We're trying to create a, a new platform now to build upon and, and set ourselves realistic targets from now to the end of the season. Continue our growth, continue our development. And today, I said to the girls at the end, we, we can't be too disappointed um, but we're obviously not ecstatic with a draw. We, we want to be winning our home games. Gillingham, they're, they're flying. They're on a real good momentum. They have got that human connection. They've got a group of players that have, have been together a while. They, they, they understand what Josh wants to do and huge credit to them um, and that they're doing well at the minute. So for us, it was just about really focusing on us. What are our strengths? What are our qualities? And now we just need to excel in them areas and we all know the attacking players we have on the pitch. We're going to look at how we can we can secure the ball better, be a little bit more tight with the ball in in, in them areas, um, be a little bit more have a little bit more conviction in the final third. And I think once we do that, we'll start to reap the rewards moving forward. And the Pompey women are back in action and back in search of three points on Wednesday night. Jay Sadler takes his side to Chichester and Henry Deacon will have more on that game as well as updates from our local non-league scene as well when Over the White Line returns at six o'clock on Wednesday evening here on Express FM. I'll be back alongside Ryan and Josh momentarily. We're just popping off for a quick breather, but stay right where you are and keep it Express FM for the conclusion of tonight's show. Plenty more to come here on the Football Hour in just a few moments time this is the football hour 93.7 
Express FM. Welcome back for the final time tonight to the Football Hour, which is being driven to you this season on Express FM by Stagecoach South, getting you across the South Coast and up through Hampshire with a minimum of fuss. Head to stagecoachbus.com for more information on the services they can provide. OK, got a few more uh, text tweets and emails coming into the show. Then Linda Mail on the emails. Well, that was two points dropped on Saturday. And if it wasn't for Fleetwood sitting back in the second half, it may have been worse. Although I applaud the comeback after they got themselves into the mess and with better finishing we may have won. We cannot only play one half of the match, which we have done quite a lot this season. Passing the ball from side to side and back, this slow build-up does not work. This season, everyone has said this is a real building campaign, which is okay if you can see any progress from last season's team, but I cannot. We have a team that includes uh, lone players, so they will probably not be here next season, and we've brought players that are not any better or, or are worse than the ones we let go last season. There still doesn't seem to be a nucleus of a team to build around, so next year we will still be in the same position. The thoughts of Linda on the emails there. Thank you so much for getting in touch, as usual, Linda. And one final here, one here from Dave Byrne, who says, Hi, everyone. Saturday's match summed up the season for me. We often start games slowly. We are generally a 45-minute team. We lack creativity. We need a focal point up front to give them a midfield something to find. Our final ball is abysmal, and our tempo is pedestrian. We often cause more problems for ourselves than the opposition do, and we still don't really have a settled side. Once again, the opposition, who, with all due respect, are one of those teams we should be taking at least four points a season from, made us look technically inept for 44 minutes. Their tempo, their passing, movement and ability to score goals left us floundering at times. A little bit embarrassing, says Dave on the emails. Marcus Harness scored, uh, but didn't have a good game, in my opinion, and Rico Hackett uh, was less effective than he has been of late. Not a great day at the office, but really good display of character in the second half led by Ronan Curtis but another two points dropped I think we can now say it's time to concentrate next season more than worry unduly about this one anymore thank you Dave for your email there do get in touch with us between now and seven o'clock just over 10 minutes to do so 81400 is our text number start those with the word express you can email Pompey at expressfm.com include at expressfm if you're on twitter or you can find us over at facebook.com forward slash Pompey live now, in this third and final part of the show, the three of us, alongside you back home too, are going to move on to look ahead to Pompey's next challenge. Oxford United make the short journey to the South Coast for the rearranged Boxing Day fixture. Here's a closer look into this week's opposition. After a three-game winning run came to an end of the weekend, the Blues are swiftly back in action and once again back at Fratton Park. Next up is the rearranged Boxing Day clash with Oxford United. Pompey this week's opposition. Saturday's exhilarating thrill draw ended a streak of three consecutive victories, but Pompey did remain unbeaten in four. The last time they tasted a league defeat was on February the 5th in a game which ended 3-2 to Oxford United at the Cassam Stadium. And that is who Danny Cowley's side come up against this time around. Let's take a dive into the key information regarding this week's opposition. Manager. The user led by 41-year-old Carl Robinson, who has been in charge of the club since March 2018, almost four years ago now. Robinson was appointed as head coach of Oxford on the same day his departure from Charlton Athletic was announced. He has since recorded 94 victories from 221 competitive games in charge. The former non-league marksman has 12 years experience in management, representing three different football league clubs, MK Dons, Charlton and now Oxford. One to watch. Liverpool youth graduate Cameron Brannigan is once again our one to watch for Oxford United. The 25-year-old midfielder has been a star in his Oxford team since his arrival from Anfield in January 2018, since making over 150 appearances for the club. Brannigan wears the number eight shirt for the U's and operates in the central attacking midfield role, just in behind the striker. He has found the back of the net 12 times in League One this season, more than any Pompey player, and he's not even Carl Robinson's top scorer. Top scorer. That accolade belongs to striker Matt Taylor, who is now on 17 for the season in League One, with two more to add from the FA Cup as well. The 31-year-old, who celebrates his birthday at the end of March, originally joined Oxford on a season-long loan from Bristol City back in August 2019 and scored his first goal for the club in a 6-0 win away at Lincoln City a month later. Taylor managed 13 goals from 26 league appearances and 17 in all 
competitions that season, ending what was a disrupted campaign due to COVID as the club's top scorer. He made the move permanent the following summer in 2020, signing a three-year deal at Bacassan. Since then, 35 league strikes from 79 outings. Current form. Oxford are having a pretty decent season despite their traditional poor start to it. They are now fourth in League One with 62 points on the board after 35 games played. Just four points behind Wigan in second, although Wigan have played four matches fewer. Carl Robinson's side are 14 points ahead of Pompey, but the Blues themselves have three games in hand on their midweek opponents, who go into this clash off a back of three straight league wins and six from their last nine, losing twice and drawing once within that time period. Will these sides play out a battle as entertaining as the last? Will one of these teams have their recent unbeaten records come to an end? The Blues take on Oxford United at Fratton Park, and all of the unmissable action is right here on Pompey Live. A much closer look into tomorrow night's opponents at Fratton Park, Oxford United, who we know all too well about, of course. Pompey only playing Oxford United at the start of this month of February. On the uh, on the 5th of February, rather, Pompey were defeated by three goals to two at the Kassam Stadium. Uh, Josh, that game at the Kassam, I've just alluded to there, Pompey's last game with Oxford United, of course. Tomorrow's match is a rearranged one from Boxing Day. But that 3-2 defeat was the match in which Joe Morrell was sent off rather unfairly. You could probably ask many Pompey fans, they'll come back with that. But Pompey on that day were at full value and probably deserved a bit more than a defeat, probably a point, maybe even three points at most. So although Oxford aren't a bad side to be playing against and they are a very decent team, they are beatable. They are. To be honest, I think at the moment everyone in this league is beatable. Um, I know that Rotherham and Wigan are probably going to run away with it, but on your day you can beat anyone. Oxford will... uh, I think the issue is... You've conceded three goals against a Fleetwood team that are going down, or, or could be going down. Sorry, not, not to say they're already gone, but they're struggling. And we're coming up against an Oxford team who are who can't stop scoring. I know they put three past us. We only had ten men, and as you said, we deserve something from that game completely. Um, but with the goal threat they have, mm. I think tomorrow could be a, vi- a very very long night. Yeah. So Pompey rounding off the month of February with a three-all draw against Fleetwood Town, Ryan. But looking at the stats from the month of February, and only Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday and MK Dons averaged more points than Pompey in the month of February. So Pompey on the form table uh, up to fourth. It was a pretty decent month. We mentioned that defeat to Oxford United. Apart from that, uh, back-to-back victories against Burton, Doncaster and Shrewsbury. And of course, that three-all draw on Saturday. Not a bad month, but really needs to kick on in the month of March and really big games coming up three away matches on the trot this really could be a season defining month I think it will be a season defining month Jake I think you're absolutely spot on there I mean like you say it's not been a bad month the month of February but it's a month that we got to build on because if we don't it all becomes pointless um, and it starts tomorrow night um, against Oxford mm-hmm. who I'll tell you what I, I mean I'd be very surprised if they miss out on the playoffs yeah and I, I think I'm going to tip them to win the playoffs should they get in. I think they've been absolutely brilliant this season. Yes, they were fortunate to to pick up three points against us yeah. at the start of February. But the players that they've got at their disposal, um, I think that they'll have enough to, to get them over the line. Oxford at home tomorrow night for Pompey. Atkinson Stanley also at home on Saturday. That's the 5th of March. Then they travelled to Crew Alexandra uh, the following Tuesday. That is the start of three away matches in the space of just seven days. They then go to Portman Road to take on Ipswich Town on Saturday the 12th. Then it's Plymouth Argyle away on Tuesday the 15th of March. That game rearranged from the 29th of December. Then it's Wickham at home on Saturday the 19th of March. Then they've got a week off until a trip to Bolton Wanderers on Saturday the 26th of March if that one is not called off due to international call-ups. The tweet in from Mockers a winning side should have a nucleus of 8 or 9 players able to play in nearly every game. Pompey are nowhere near that yet. We have too many lone players and injury prone ones as well. Play at Pompey. Uh, Mockers on Twitter thank you for getting in touch. Uh, Tom Clark uh, in, his, in his opinion Ryan Tunnicliffe and Joe Morrell worked really well together on Saturday Saturday afternoon, a game which saw Pompey come back from three goals down to draw a game for the first time since August 2015. That a three-all draw at home to Morecambe in League 
two. So looking ahead to tomorrow, Josh, we've only got a couple of minutes to, to continue this. Of course, Ronan Curtis now suspended. He picks up his 10th yellow card of the season on Saturday. He'll miss the next two games. So tomorrow's game at home to Oxford and Saturday's visit of Accrington Stanley. Who comes in in his place? I think it's a natural replacement that O'Brien comes straight in. Um, he's scored, was it three and three he's got now? Um, three and four. A three and four? Good enough. Oh, yeah, <laughs> close enough. But um, he's obviously been our main goal threat. And Curtis frustrates the hell out of me um, when I watch him because he can have a, he'll have a really good game. But then I think it was summed up that getting it back to three all, you get a free kick last minute. You're thinking mm. all you've got to do is put this in the box and someone got on the end of it and it ends up going out way high for, for a goal kick but yeah O'Brien comes in and I'd like to see Hurst coming back in for Walker so that we at least have a physical presence up front Yeah, Danny Kelly will be enforced to make a change due to Ronan Curtis suspension but um, Pompey have now not named an unchanged side since October the 2nd so Danny Kelly of course enforcing uh, a change tomorrow night one final tweet here from uh, Gav Jones whose team selection is this Gavin Bazunu in between the sticks uh, a back three of Hayden Carter Sean Raggett and Clark Robertson wing backs of Marlon Romeo Denver Hume with Louis Thompson and Joe Morrell in the middle. Marcus Harness as a number 10 behind George Hurst and Aidan O'Brien. And if I'm honest, that's probably the team I'd also go for tomorrow night as well. OK, not uh, too long remaining of the show, unfortunately, so it's time to move on to the score predictions. Lee on Facebook's going for a 3-1 Pompey win. Uh, Gav is going for a 2-all draw. And uh, Keith on uh, Twitter is going for a 1-0 narrow Pompey win. Ryan Honey, it's time now for your score prediction what are you going for my friend I think I've got to stay positive Jake I mean it's going to be a very very tough task tomorrow and I know there's always goals in the games with Oxford but I'm going to go against that I think Pompey are going to win 1-0 1-0 says Ryan Josh Sweetman what are you going for I usually go negative and and, uh, I'm not surprised (laughs) when we actually come and win but I think after Saturday's performance and what Oxford have up front I I can see a 3-1 or a 3-2 Oxford. Mm, okay, then. I'm going to be slightly positive, slightly not. I'm going to go for a 2 all draw. Um, I don't know if that's positive, negative. Take that uh, what you will. Okay, if you do want to join us, if you're not going to the game tomorrow night, you can join us here on Express FM uh, from usual time for a midweek kickoff. It's a 7.45 at Fratton Park, and we start here on Express FM from 7 o'clock. Myself, Robbie James, live from Fratton Park, joined alongside Sherelle Cassell. All the unmissable action. This is... Pompey Pompey came from 3-0 down to secure a point in a pulsating 3-0 draw on Saturday at home to Fleetwood Town. O'Brien, he's done it! Pompey are level! Aidan O'Brien in the 95th minute! Next up for the Blues, a home Tuesday night clash with Oxford United. Join us for all of the unmissable action Tuesday from 7. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aquacars. So like I said, myself, Robbie James and Pompey women's striker Sherelle Cassell will be on hand from PO4 to deliver all of the action as Pompey take on Oxford United uh, in Skybet League One, looking to return to winning ways and possibly secure a fifth game unbeaten uh, in a row. Thank you uh, once again to Ryan Honey. Ryan, it's been a pleasure to have you back on the show, my friend. Have a great week and we'll hear from you again soon. Thanks, Jake. It's been a pleasure, mate. Likewise to Josh Sweetman joining myself in the studio this evening. Josh, have a great night. Enjoy the game tomorrow, hopefully. Thanks very much. Play out, Help if I turn your mic on, <laughs> won't it? Thank you very much, Josh. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jake. That's the second week in a row I've done that. I need to stop doing that. Thank you to Ryder Josh for joining us this evening. Thank you to Stagecoach Across the South for supporting another season of the Football Hour here on Express FM. Thank you to everyone who got in touch on the text, tweets and emails. And thank you to everyone who tuned in to the show tonight. Jeff and Ada back with a soft rock show after the news at 7. Kevin Stokes returns with that 80 show from 9 through until 11, which is when the Express wind down starts through to the early hours of Tuesday morning. Nicola Lashley is back uh, with Express Breakfast from 6.30 tomorrow. Mason Jordan's back with a local music show from 6pm tomorrow and that is when the uh, Pompey Live returns from 7 through till 10 with full coverage of the Blues home match against Oxford United. We can't wait to uh, welcome you in for that one. Have a great evening Pompey fans. Thanks for listening. Take care and good night. <laughs>